Well, can we get our Bibles now open to the book of 1 Thessalonians? We're going to be in chapter 5. We're going to be looking at one small verse here this morning, and it's going to kind of springboard us into um, to some other texts. But we, were, we started last week a series we entitled Seven Shaping Virtues, and uh, we're looking at, at seven virtues that is a sovereign grace church, our family of churches. We desire these, these virtues to be present in and displayed in our lives and our church communities. I want to draw your attention to something before we kind of press on. Um, last, I think it's been two years now, maybe it's been a year and a half, our, our denomination has started a, a, just a theological journal, um, um, and it's written in a way that's accessible and encouraging. Um, there's print versions of this. We also, you also can find uh, digital, just PDF versions. Uh, and uh, last October, there was one that was written on our Shaping Virtues with some additional um, articles on how to connect us into our life as a church. And so there's some of these copies at the books, uh, book cart. If you want one, feel free to, to grab one of those. Um, and if they kind of all disappear, we'll, we'll be happy to, to pr- purchase and have some more available for you. So um, just grab one for free. You don't have to, to, to pay anything. But you can also download that. So I encourage you to, to access that if you want to just uh, dig a little bit more. So these virtues uh, come. Uh, they're not exhaustible virtues. There are more virtues than just these seven. But these virtues, we must remember, are a work of God's grace in us. They're, they're fruit of the gospel in our lives, and it, this fruit creates not just fruit in our own life, but it creates a, a culture within a church as that fruit manifests uh, in uh, the life of the church. These aren't unique to our church or, or denomination. Every church that is, is rooted in the gospel and seeking Christ, these are, this is fruit that every believer in church should be experiencing. So we remember, it is all a divine work of God's grace in us, but it is one that we participate in God's work, something we cultivate and, and, and work towards in our life. I think Peter has this in view after speaking of the divine work of God in uh, the believers provi- that provides all we need for life and godliness. He writes this in 2 Peter chapter 1, For this reason, then, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And he goes on to list some other of those virtues, that there is something that is supplemented, cultivated in our life through the work of God's divine work in Jesus. Again, these virtues are not ones we embody and display in perfection, um, absolutely not, but ones we want to see present, ones we want to grow in and cultivate in our lives for His glory, we know for our joy, and for the good of God's people, and for the world that needs to know about Jesus. So last week, we considered the virtue of humility. Today, we're going to be considering the virtue of gratitude. We want to consider how the gospel makes us grateful people. Gratitude is an expression of appreciation for something done for you or what you have. The words thank you come from a heart of gratitude. To have a gratitude is to be, therefore, a thankful person. God's people should be marked by gratitude with thankful hearts. Uh, let's look at this 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And then we're going to pray. Very simple verse, but a bunch packed into this. It says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Join me as we pray. 
Well, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for what we've been able to just experience already this morning, um, singing thanks to you, giving thanks to you. you. You are the God of good gifts, and ultimately we, we know that you have not withheld the greatest gift, that of your Son. And since you freely have given your Son to us, will you not also give all that we, we need? We have him and we have all that we do need, Lord, and, and so we can give thanks. We can be a people of great gratitude. Lord, we need your help this morning. I, I'm, I'm deeply aware of how my heart doesn't live in this place of giving thanks in all circumstances. Lord, I, I drift from this. and Our, our hearts are lifted up to, to other things and and we, we're more aware at times of the things we don't have, um, uh, and we need your help today. We need your help. So I, I ask, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and help us to, to know deeply this morning the, the vast, exhaustible opportunity we have to give thanks because of what you have done and you have not withheld yourself from us. So... Do this in us by your spirit this morning. May we leave these doors this, this morning a greater grateful people. Amen. Now we're going to consider gratitude this morning in just three simple points. Gratitude's requirement, gratitude's reason, and our response in gratitude. So requirement. The first thing we need to observe about this topic of gratitude is 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 the necessity of gratitude, meaning, meaning it's not optional. Last week we talked about humility and we began there knowing and considering that, that all these other virtues um, will come from a posture of our need and our dependence and the pursuit and cultivation of gratitude requires humility. It, it, it requires humility because we've got to realize that we, we, by default, are not going to be grateful people. Proud people cannot be thankful people. And we need the work of God's help to do that. But as we note here in 1 Thessalonians, this, this is a command from God. Uh, it, it's not optional. Gratitude is required for the life of the believer. Paul comes to the end of his letter in, uh, to uh, this church, and he, and, he, and he writes earlier in that chapter, in verse uh, 9, he reminds them that because they have obtained a salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, and he goes on to write 19 different commands packed into that verses 11 through 22. It is, it is jammed with command, another command, another command. But, but, of course, Paul wisely and helpfully always begins with what God has done for us in order for us to then respond in obedience. But notice the, the constancy in these verse, verses Look at verse 15 with me. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to, any, to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In other words, always. Give thanks in all circumstances. In other words, always. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Always seeking good. Always rejoicing. Always praying always giving thanks. In all circumstances, always we are to give thanks. And for, you know, Paul just, he, he didn't just leave it as a suggestion, right? This is the will of God for you. 
What is God's will for you? What is God's will for your life? That you give thanks in all circumstances. It is God's sovereign required will for us, along with thou shalt not murder and thou shalt obey your mother and father, that in all circumstances in our life we give thanks always. I, I mean, that hits us. That, 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 is, that is, comes with some gravity. I mean, this seems like a far-fetched and unrealistic command. Surely there's some opt-out clauses somewhere for this. Well, as mentioned, it's important to consider that gratitude does not come automatic for us. This is not the default mode of our hearts. You have kids. If you've raised kids, you were a child at one time. We realize that being a thankful person must be cultivated. Just those very words, thank you, must be taught and instructed for our children. Our kids are young. We bring them some food. They're at, a high, at the young stage of at high chair. You place some food that looks very strange to them before them on that tray, and um, you don't have to teach them to create a disgusting face and then to swipe the food onto the floor. This is, this is not something that has to be taught. That, that is an internal reaction that manifests itself externally. We don't need to be commanded to grumble or to be ungrateful. This is, this is a reality. But we do need a command from God to say, give thanks. Grow in gratitude. Be grateful. When we are surrounded by a culture of gratitude and thankful people, it's much easier to follow in step with that. If you get around people who are always being thank, thank, giving thanks and are thankful, it, we, we can kind of get caught up. But the opposite is true, and we'd all agree the air we breathe in this culture right now is often not flowing with praise and gratitude, but criticism and protest. That's it's all we see. That's all the news would present with us. And so it's much easier, even in our day with technology, where a disgruntled heart and thought can easily be made known public in an instant, and it's forever there, online. So it is easier to grumble. We know this. And we live in a very individualistic culture that we bristle when we do hear something like, this is required. We don't like requirements or musts. Right? You went to a work zone, it says work uh, hats or hard hats and safety goggles required. There's like this innate impulse say, well, I don't want to wear them. I don't want to put those on. We want to push back. And yet, depending on the severity of the consequences of not doing it or the good and reward of doing it, the required could be beautiful and good. Being required to have clean and the right amount of oil in your car protects and ensures that your engine is not going to seize up and blow up. Being required to check the oxygen level and to turn on your oxygen valve when you go deep sea diving secures that you will live and that you will not die. So some things that are required are not just good, they're, they're life-saving. God comes to us with a life-saving encouragement. As we're going to see in a moment regarding the reasons this, this is for our good. God's good comes to us when he communicates God, his will to us. His will is always good for us. Elsewhere, we see in Scripture, again and again, this call to give thanks. 1 Chronicles 16, 8. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Ephesians 5, 20. Give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Give thanks. 
Give thanks always. Give thanks, word, deed, and everything, always, in all circumstances. We are to give thanks, for this is God's will for us as God's people. That means every situation. That means the good. That means the bad. That we would have within our hearts a posture of gratitude to God. Yet ingratitude, as we know, finds its way out in the big and, and the small, the subtle, in the extreme, con- confession time for me, um, I was reminded of, of this recently. I was having lunch with a friend. Hillary was along with me, and we were discussing food as we were eating together. And um, the reminder about a, a serious husband fail in the beginnings of our marriage was brought to light and spoken of. I, I, I enjoy food. I receive the, the good gift of God's food. I enjoy varieties of food. Um, but with this appreciation can come opportunity for much pride and ingratitude. The first several years of our marriage I, it was a, a picture of this royal failure. I failed to love my wife in an area connected to this. She, she did in, in every day in some way would cook and her generosity, her sacrificial time, her energy in communicating her love and care for me and preparing meals. But at some point, sometimes these, these meals didn't measure up to my preferences or, um, or how I would do it. Um, a comment here, a little lack of thanks there. And it wasn't just my critical remarks, it, but it was my ingratitude that would be communicated in my silence. I wouldn't say anything. The issue was not the meal. It was never the meal. It was the issue of my heart. It was the posture of my heart. I wasn't seeing and acknowledging all that she was doing in her serving and her humility and her care and the blessing of the meal and just the very gift that I'm actually eating and I'm not starving. All of these things were amiss in that moment. And I, I wasn't acknowledging it. And, and thankful, thankfully, I can share with regret, obviously, that would happen, but with came with confession and repentance to my wife, which she kindly has forgiven me over and over again. So our ingratitude should not, could be displayed in our absence of communicating gratitude. So our sin of omission, we just, we don't do it. Not just simply in our active expression of complaint and unthankful comments. So the requirement to give thanks, with this requirement to give thanks, we realize and we acknowledge all that God has come and brought to us. This, this analogy even of a feast, right? The Lord brings to us a feast, a, a meal, and, and He shares Himself with us and all of His endless gifts. There's no absence or failure on His part to faithfully provide endless and eternal reasons for us to give thanks. And so our requirement is because He alone is deserving of endless thanks and praise based on what he has done and who he is. So as Christians, because of the great reasons that we're going to look at here in a moment, we are to give thanks, and the great reward and blessing in doing it, this requirement comes to, to be thankful, to be a thankful people, to have hearts of gratitude. Don't come as a, a restriction or some sort of binding hindrance, but, but it's like oxygen. It, it, is, it is life-saving. It is freeing. It is, is an invitation for joy as we observe all that we have, all that we don't deserve, and yet all that we've been given. And so gratitude is a response, a right response of worship to God for who He is 
and what he has done. And this is what we were made for. That's what this command comes to us as the will of God. We were made to give thanks. Earlier in this section in Thessalonians, if I drew attention to it earlier, if you have your Bibles open, you look at verse 9 where he says, God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through Jesus. And we have all these commands. And then we look at verse 23, 24. It says, Now may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Notice where our command lands in this, this book. This command of giving thanks is bookended with reasons to give thanks in all circumstances because of what God has done. So let's consider now these reasons, these reasons for thanks. God gives us the whys. He doesn't leave us, leave us searching for those on our own. I, I came across an article uh, this week highlighting some research and findings around this connection of gratitude and, and health care. It was entitled, How Gratitude Changes You in Your Brain. And it points to da- data associated with the impact of just this practice of gratitude. There's a secular study. It wasn't a Christian one. But one study took three groups who were all struggling with, it was like 300, were struggling with areas of depression and anxiety. One group wrote a letter of gratitude to someone else one, every week for three weeks. The next group was to write a letter and just dictate the deepest thoughts and feelings about their negative experiences, and the third had no letter. The results found that the ones who wrote the letters of gratitude had significant improvement in their health. The letters shifted these strugglers, these strugglers from negative emotions, emotions such as resentment or envy, and rather than ruminating on those, they considered the blessings and the gifts of what they had. It quoted, Much of our time and energy is spent pursuing things we currently don't have. Gratitude reverses our priorities to help us appreciate the people and things we do. Much of our time and energy is spent pursuing, thinking on, ruminating on, considering what we don't have. So the exercise of the gratitude letters drew attention to what was was given, what was good, what were blessings, and recalling those did something in these individuals. Now, this was a secular study, but what I th- was, was stunning to me was how profound and true the observation was of what God has put in our hearts. When our hearts are, are moved and reversed from that to the priorities of observing all we have been given, all that we have in God, the reasons for our thanks, those things, th- those things draw our attention to where our hearts should be. So we could, we could have left it at this is God's will and just be done. Well, God said it, you better do it. But God just doesn't just leave us at I said so. He, he gives us his story, his word, his reasons in Scripture over and over of why we can be a thankful people. I love how Psalm 100, a shorter psalm, just captures this, this whole very picture. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name for the Lord is good. And His steadfast love endures forever and His faithfulness to all generations. This was a psalm of worship. It was a psalm that celebrates God's kingship, that he's worthy of praise. It was to instruct Israel as they came to the temple for worship. And, and it gives us reasons why the Lord is God. 
We're his. We belong to him. We are created by him. We are owned by him. We, we are his people. And because we're his people, that means he's the good shepherd and, and he, he cares for his people, his sheep. And we are to give thanks for, for he's good. He's good. God is good and his covenant love and his faithfulness never ends. So there is reason to give thanks. Psalm 136, 3 echoes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. Why? For his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 107, 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for, why? For his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Unfailing love, goodness, greatness, his, his perpetual, ceaseless care and commitment to his people. His unfailing love and goodness, as we know, ultimately is displayed and shown in his son, Jesus Christ. I think this is where Paul is anchoring us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. They, they are in Christ. They have, they have been redeemed. They are God's people. They are in Christ because of what God has done through his son Jesus for them. This is the ballast of the reason to give thanks. Because he is God and what is, is, has accomplished for us through his son, we have endless reason to give thanks. Eternal reasons to give thanks. In Colossians 1, the Apostle Paul is praying for the church that they, they'd be faithful to follow and trust in Jesus, and he, and he gives them reasons why. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, this is what he wants for them to do, to give joyful thanks to the Father. Why? Because he's qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Why? For he has rescued them from the domain of darkness and brought them into the kingdom of his son, uh, Son's love, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. So Paul's reasons for joyful thanks, a gratitude that would flow from their experience of what Christ has done in the gospel. Why do we get this? Do we qualify ourselves? No. God qualifies us to share in the inheritance of the Son's kingdom and His love, transferring us from the bondage of where we were in darkness, in slavery, and pulls us into and transfers us into the light of His love and grace, redemption, and forgiveness of sins in His love. This grace is what Christians experience and it transforms hard, ungrateful souls into humble, thankful people. So it, it doesn't simply come as a command. It's what actually God does in us and makes possible for us. Those who don't see the good of gospel or see the need for the gospel cannot be drawn to this kind of gratitude. Those who, are, who feel entitled cannot say thank you. But those who feel that we do not deserve this, and yet God in his grace does come and bring this to us, we're not deserving, but yet he mercifully and graciously does. Gratitude flows from that. And the list could just keep going. We, we're thankful for breath in our lungs. We're, we're thankful for friends. We're thankful for God's gift of creation. We're thankful for God's gift of community and his church and people. We're thankful that the very hairs of our head are numbered, and God is keeping and preserving us, and he's feeding us and clothing us. And, and all of these are undeserved gifts of our gracious God to us. Yes. So in gratitude, we are acknowledging God is king 
and that he is sovereign savior and ruler and that we are trusting in all that he has given us through his son Jesus. It's, it's acknowledging him as God in worship. That's what, that's what thanks is. It is, it's, it is worship. It is, it is our act of gratitude, our hearts of gratitude is worship to him. Because the, the opposite of that is to not acknowledge him as God in worship and to not give him thanks is to deny him worship, therefore deny him as God. This is the, the, the reality we see in Romans chapter 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Did not honor him, did not give him thanks. This is, this is the serious and the ultimate danger of not giving thanks to God. It is denying worship. This is the far end of the spectrum in the absence of honoring and giving thanks to God. It is, it is the very rejection of who he is and in turn to experience his judgment. Yet to honor and give thanks to him is this very act of trust and worship. This is, this is why it is an overflow of those who are his people. We, we realize we, we have all that you have given us, God, mercifully and graciously, and, and we, we want to just trust you and worship you and thank you for that. And the measure of our understanding the magnitude of this gift and what he's given to us in his love in Christ will be the growing measure of our response in gratitude. If we see this big gift, we will give big thanks. And this is what increases our joy in thanks. I'm not sure if you've seen one of the those viral videos that I've caught a few times of the military dad that has been deployed for however long, months or years, and, and they show up and they surprise their wife or kids after uh, being gone for so long. And the, the, the one, you know, where dad visits the school and dad's hidden in the, maybe the mascot outfit and, and he pops out of the mascot and just, you know, the kid is undone. I mean, I'm, I'm usually undone when I'm watching those. The, the emotion, the tears, the the, the magnitude of that gift is felt in that moment. It was no small thing for that visit to happen. And the intense gratitude experienced in that reunion loaded into all of that where the longings and the blessings and the gift and the love and particularly that relationship with that Father. Our gratitude is likewise rooted in the gift and the blessing of a loving relationship. We can look at creation and give thanks when we're in the boundary wash. We can have a meal and give thanks for that. We can, we can look, look at our children and their family and thank God for those things. And, and yet we know that that is ultimately rooted in a relationship with our God himself through his son Jesus. We get God himself. We get our good God and king. We, we get him as, as our, our, the one we worship and as, as our savior. We get him as brother and we get him as friend. We get his love, we get his salvation, we get his forgiveness, we get his, the communion and adoption and eternal presence and his peace and his community. And this, this, these are all the things, the fountain of which our gratitude can flow to him. But cultivating this is something we, we all need. And it's important to remember that, and I've been guilty of this, I, just, I, I can create a list of all the good and the bad, or I, I measure and I compare myself to somebody else and and, uh, you know, I, I'm not as worse off as that guy, so therefore I can give thanks for this thing. I thank God. But, but, but those, those may help us with guilt or whatever, and they may, may help for a moment, but they will not be sustaining over time. Those, those comparisons will not 
transform our hearts into grateful hearts. I mean, we need to be able to have a theology that comes to transform our hearts that will work here, that will work in Africa, that will work in South America, that will work in Pakistan. We, We must have something greater than just our circumstances or comparisons that help orientate our heart around gratitude and push away ingratitude. If my gratefulness is determined by counting blessings or my bank account or health or my neighborhood that I live in, that will always be a moving target. This is, this is why giving thanks in all circumstances is a charge for us. It, it must, and we must look into something else more stable for us. God is the same God in Africa as the God is here and all over the world. To believe for a believer to trust and find joyful gratitude, it must be rooted in something bigger than our circumstances. And it is ultimately rooted in the character of God, the goodness of God, the greatness and glory of God. That is what must fix our attention and what fuels our gratitude. So for the hearts of God's people, we see that he has lavishly poured out his grace on us in his son, Jesus Christ. We are loved. We have an eternal home. We have a home that will be with him, and that home will one day be without tears and pain and sin and no more enemy. And we're being kept for that day. We're being kept for that day by his love and his goodness and his greatness and his sovereign wisdom. And so in the good and in the hard, all that is passing through to us, we know is, is flowing from his good and wise and loving heart. So we can rest. We can rest in him. We can rest in him and, and know, Lord, we, we can be grateful in this moment, whatever this hard thing is, is coming to me, but because I'm grounded and rooted in your promises and in your son, Jesus. We know you're doing something good, and I trust you. Therefore, we can have gratitude and give thanks in all circumstances, for the object and source of our thanks is not the circumstances, but thanks and honor rooted in the God in whom we trust and love. So gratitude's requirement, there's eternal reasons that we can never exhaust. And, and gratitude calls for a response, meaning, meaning gratitude is, is something that originates in our hearts, but it must be something that we express. Gratitude is a right response of worship to our God and, and His goodness, and it is something that comes out of us. It must be displayed in our lives. We saw this in Psalm 100, right? Serve the Lord with gladness and singing telling, speaking, making known. Uh, the Psalms are filled with this sort of like encouragement. Psalm 32, uh, 33, 2 says, give thanks with the, to the Lord with the lyre and the harp. And so instruments are an, an object for us to be able to display our praise and worship to him. Psalm 105, 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. So it begins with a posture of our heart and it is expressed in our thoughts and our attitudes and our words and our actions, meaning our life should be a place where people can observe gratitude coming from us. And that, that is compelled towards God in our actions and our words, but that also flows to our gratefulness towards others. Earlier in First Thessalonians, Paul would say, we give thanks to God always for you. It is a movement of gratitude to God for others. And we're going to look more at this next week as we consider the the virtue of encouragement. But I realize that some of us, 
our personality and our natural demeanor are more bubbly and uh, positive, others maybe more melancholy, and that is okay. But what can happen is gratitude, realize that gratitude is not limited to personality or demeanor. It seems like it may come naturally for others or than, other, than some, but our personality and our demeanor cannot be an excuse for being a thankful person. It's not limited to those things. We also know, as we explore, gratitude is not circumstantial. But for all, if we are in Christ, gratitude can be cultivated and displayed because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And it is necessitated by God's grace. But it is something we are called to obey and do. Meaning, it takes effort. Meaning, sometimes we don't feel it, and we need to work against that thing that we feel. I appreciate someone who would know this very well, Joni Erickson Tata, who became, because of an accident, swimming accident, left her paralyzed from the neck down, and she's lived about 50-plus years in this place. She, she writes, giving thanks is not a matter of feeling thankful. It is a matter of obedience. Meaning we, we must do it. Recounting to and responding to all of what God has done for us in Jesus. We, we get to scan our lives. When we do that work, to scan our lives and we ask, in the Lord, ask the Lord to help us see, we can discern the billions of ways we can give thanks of what God has done and accomplished in His Son and everything else that we have. So it's observable and, and, and we can see it with the Lord's help and that then is also should be observable in our life, in our, our worship, in our words, in our actions, in our job. But that takes work. It takes, it takes effort. It, it takes God's help in this. Professor and author Harold Best, I've been convicted by this small little quote, and it still work, it works on me. It's, he says, a mature Christian or a mature worshiper is easily edified. A mature Christian is easily edified edified. I could be, what can can you be easily something? I can be easily annoyed. I can be easily frustrated. I can be easily see everything that's wrong and negative. Yet growing in gratitude, growing in God's grace as we mature enables our hearts to identify and be edified by the simple things. By the simple things. We are more quick to observe and see God's grace and kindness everywhere. We, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for, for this. Thank you for the, the slightest sighting of his goodness and his grace. And, and as we mature, we will be more easily edified, meaning we will also be those who are quick, more quickly give thanks to God. Thankful for grace. I'm thankful for God's grace that turns old curmudgeons into glad and happy Christians. And this is, this is what God wants to mark his people with. We'd be glad, thankful people. Now, it must be noted, and you guys know this, this doesn't mean that we walk around with smiles all the time. Just, we don't, we're just, we're thankful and we're happy, and this is the way we walk around. I mean, sometimes we can falsely want to create that in, even on a Sunday morning. If I don't come in this way, then that's, then I'm not, I'm not being a good Christian. And that, that's not what Scripture gives us and paints for us. We're not, we are allowed to voice our struggles. We, we are the Psalms help us even give words to voice in biblical ways our complaints to God. When our hearts are discouraged, when, when pain is real, when something is wrong, and we're, we're, we're crying out to God for change. 
That is appropriate and, and, is, and works within the Christian walk. And yet we can do that, we can do that with a deep abiding rest and gratitude in God. It, it sounds like a prayer that says, Lord, Lord, I, I need your help. This is wrong and we're struggling and this is broken and yet I, I want to rest in confidence because you're wise and you're good, and I know whatever I'm facing, Lord, I, I can thank you. I can thank you because I know that your presence is with me, and that you're doing good, and your promises are that you're going to see me through, and your plans are wise and good, and I can't see it, but I know, I, I thank you that what you're doing is, is for my good and, and for your glory. We rest in him. We trust in his love. So, we can't express the hard along with living a heart that is resting in gratitude and thanks. So a few thoughts as we wrap up on cultivating gratitude. Some things we can all need. And, and one is that sometimes we just need help. We, we get stuck in situations. We, we get stuck in seasons of our life when things are pressing in and it's hard. And we need to invite help. We need to invite help from others, brothers and sisters, to help us see what we can't see, where we're maybe blinded. So we need somebody just to come alongside of us. Maybe you need somebody to come alongside you and pray and help you scan life and draw attention to where God is at work and where you can give thanks. Some of us, and I think all of us would benefit this, just to invite somebody to help us, help us see and honestly assess, are, have we, are we marked by gratitude or something else? Um, that could just look like asking somebody you know who loves you and who is honest with you and is for you and just say, am I a person of gratitude or more often a person of criticism? Um, are you more of my thankful speaking or more of my critical speaking? And ask, invite them to, to help you with that. And if they are honest and they say, I think it's not gratitude, then turn to Jesus and ask him for help. And this connects to cultivating opportunities for us to give thanks. This, this could look like just creating a list, a gratitude list. Maybe that's a letter like our little study uh, uh, examined. Journal out reasons for gratefulness. Not just in comparison, but start with what God has done and is doing. List out what can you give thanks for. Begin with meditating on the gospel and letting that fuel your praise and your thanks. And then let this inform your prayers for gratitude. In Thessalonians, Paul encourages us to pray without ceasing right before he commands them to give thanks always. I, th those go hand in hand. What, what, is that, what is prayer? It's an expression of dependence. It's, it's God, we need you. I, I cannot give thanks always in all circumstances without your help. Prayer is that effort towards him. He writes in Colossians, continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving, Colossians 4.2. There's time for petitions and requests to God, but we can all, and I can, we can all grow in our praying in communicating gratitude and thanks, increasing our prayer time filled with, God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. God, thank you for this. Church, our destination is, is, is heaven, where God is, and it will be filled with worship of thanks and gratitude. Around the throne, we see in Revelation, our heavenly creatures that give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne. Revelation 
And on that, that day, along with a great multitude singing worship, we will join one day in this song, Revelation 7, 12, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. As we look to Jesus, as we, as we allow the Spirit to work in our hearts, church, we will never exhaust opportunities to give Him thanks. And we will one day be with Him in His presence, giving thanks eternally for Him and what He's done. So with His help, with God's help, with our participation of His help, cultivating thankful and grateful hearts, let, let, us, let us grow in that. Let us mature in that. Because we know it, it is for His glory. We know it is for our joy and for a world around us that we want them to see His goodness as we walk in hearts of gratitude. Let me pray for us that God would do, do that very thing. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for not withholding the, the greatest treasure. And you shared yourself with us, invited us into the beauty and the good of your Trinitarian love and beauty. You didn't, you didn't hold that back. You gave us the best thing, Lord. And so that's why we can consider that, that it is good to give thanks to the Lord. That's why we can consider this one day when we're going to be around your throne and we're going to say honor and thanks to you, Lord. And so let that one day inform our today, Lord. May, may what we have in you Lord, let us see. We need eyes to see. We need a heart to believe. Some of us right now are, are, are battling for faith, and it feels like we're, we're swallowed up in, in drowning in circumstances. Lord, and it is very hard. Lord, let, allow the beauty and the goodness of your keeping grace, Lord, inform trust and thanks, even in that hard. Lord, I'm aware of... That I, I don't live in this place of thanks, Lord, and, but I thank you that we can come to you and pray. We can, we can cultivate our, our hearts towards this end by as we think on you, as we consider the, the limitless opportunities to give thanks and glory to you. And so come, Spirit, and work in all of our hearts, Lord. Increase our gratitude, our thanks in you. And let that, let that open up our eyes like... Harold Best's quote, Lord, that, 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 that heart would bring a maturity where we could just be so easily edified. We could be so easily moved to thanks. We'd see it. We'd have your eyes to see it. And we would speak of it. We would declare it. We would tell of others. We'd draw attention to it for others. So we would be a grateful people. Lord, do this for our joy. Do this for your glory. Amen.